0: hello and welcome to this week's key voices conversations with folk in and around education i'm caroline doherty Uh, this week is a very special episode of the podcast Um, i'm putting my feet up (laughs) for the first of what i hope will be many student takeovers so some year 11 students from town grammar are going to be talking about how their school changed its policy around how pupils could wear their hair and what that meant to them, the impact of it and what possible changes they might make in the future. I loved meeting the girls and working with them on this episode. I think they also really enjoyed the opportunity to lightly grill the CEO of their trust, uh, Desmond Dean, about the decision making process around changing the policy. So I hope you enjoy hearing from four podcasters in the making and having a rest from my voice for the week. And as ever, I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around topics. The views you're about to hear are not the view of the key. For in-depth, authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. So
1: my name's Muna Chimso, but everyone calls me Muna. I'm 15. Uh, For sixth form, I want to do biology, chemistry and philosophy and ethics
2: here and yeah my name is Yamaga and I'm a student here at Townley um I enjoy going to school because I like meeting up with my friends and learning about new stuff every day um I am going to go to sixth form here at Townley and I'm going to study biology chemistry and maths so I'm really looking forward for that
3: um hello everyone my name is Nundini Fithrat um I, I am 16 I am also currently in year eleven, and uh, next year I will be studying also biology, chemistry, and maths, and hopefully an EPQ as well. And I'm not so an EPQ is an extended project qualification, and it's essentially when you can study a subject, um, not rel Well, it can relate to your A level curriculum, but it can be further, and it can be in whatever you want, and you can write an essay or an artifact on it. And yeah.
4: Um, my name is Hannah Ede. I'm 16. I'm a student here at Townley. i I'm hoping to go into doing German film studies, philosophy and ethics, and an EPQ as well at Sickform.
1: Before For like, any changes to the hair policy, a lot of black people were very hesitant when it came to um, their hairstyles. I think, for me, hair was important. It was protective, it was my culture, and it was the way I also express myself Mm. so like being hindered on what you can do with your hair I think affected a lot of people in school and also I feel like people don't take into account how that affected black people in the classroom as well Mm. because the stigma around like the hair policy was that certain hairstyles are distracting or they're not professional enough for school and I think that stigma followed a lot of black children into like the classroom and they they might not necessarily have been able to focus as much because they're like they're thinking like oh am I distracting anybody like is my hair too much or like like yeah so I think with the kind of hair policy changing it also changed that stigma Mm -hmm. and it allowed um, a lot of people to be more free in the classroom as well I think and like having that extra freedom with what to do with your hair, I feel like also benefited a lot of people in terms of, because there isn't, there's a lot of ways, there's a lot of different hair types in the black community. There's not just a set way that everyone can protect their hair. Like everyone's hair is different in the summer, in the winter, like, yeah. So I think having that kind of open gate to do what you want, has allowed people to become more expressive in what they're
4: doing. Can I hop in and explain the hair policy quickly? Yeah, sure. um, so, previously, I can't remember what year it was, but a couple of years ago, um, the rules here at Townley around hair were um, you weren't allowed any colour in your hair. You had to, mm. I think, I'm pretty sure you had to have your hair in like black braids, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Mm. and like it wasn't allowed to be you weren't allowed to have it out but naturally um like for people for like black people with I forget the word like kinky hair is that the word Um, (laughs) (laughs) but like coily and kinky hair and like Mm. that hair texture um and there was rules like you weren't allowed to have like a shaved head and um no color in your hair no Mm. like beads in your hair and things like have things like beads in your hair or like certain styles of braids, I'm pretty sure as well, it was deemed unprofessional and messy. And so that caused, it caused a lot of tension between staff and students, um, Mm. between like, especially um, students that were black or like had their hair like that for cultural, like in braids for like cultural or like even personal reasons as well, like protection, hair protection. And in general, just being told that you can't express yourself has a very negative impact on your mental health Mm. because obviously we respect in school you wear a uniform that's respectable it's understandable we know why but when you're restricting things like hair it's very much based in a very old viewpoint of you need to look a certain way or no one will want to hire you or no one Mm. will think that you're a professional person which not as many people think like that anymore as a baseline because Mm. like with younger generations taking over the workplace and just taking over like leadership roles in general the view towards what's deemed professional and unprofessional has changed Mm -hmm. and to expect a student to work at their best when they're maybe uncomfortable or like unhappy with just how they are in themselves because they're not allowed to have their hair a certain way or they're not allowed to like do certain things with Mm -hmm. their hair because of a school rule that seems so it seems so insignificant that it's just a couple words on a piece of paper is affecting your whole mental well-being and your whole ability to perform during school Mm. and so changing the hair policy for a lot of people removed that aspect of tension between staff and student and allowed students to better their mental health better their general well-being the health of their hair and just being able to celebrate their culture Mm. rather than expecting people to work under a under like the culture that like a white english person's culture is what was expected of everyone to be behaving under. Mm. I think just to like jump in with what you're saying when the hair policy was still a thing, I think it put
1: a lot of students in limbo because it's like you can only have a certain color of a certain braid. Okay, what mm. if you could not buy that? And then there were stigmas of having your natural hair out. Mm. So it's like, well, what do you want me to do with my hair? Yeah. <laughs> like, so I think because the rules were so strict, like I know in year seven, I rarely wore braids because it was like, mm. I just like braided down my natural hair mm. because it was like, okay, if I wear these braids, will it be the right color? Will it be like um, professional enough in a sense to go to school with? And I think having those rules changed, I can do a lot more with my hair.
4: Mm.
1: And it means that for a lot of people, they can save money as well.
3: Mm-hmm. and time yeah do you, th- do you think sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> do, you, do you think it helped you with focusing more on studies rather than your appearance or did it yeah because just...
1: I think there wasn't that worry anymore of like oh can I wear this can I do this mm-hmm. it's like okay I need to do my hair I, I want to do this so I can mm-hmm. do this and I'm going to go yeah. to school and mm-hmm. like I, you don't have to worry coming into school are they going to tell me to take it out mm-hmm. because then that's another thing that I think schools don't pay enough attention to because mm. they I don't think a lot of schools acknowledge the amount of money and time that goes into doing people's hair. Yeah. And then telling them to take it off. Mm. Obviously they've come in on a school yeah. day so they're gonna have to do it for the next day or the day after that. So yeah. that's gonna take more time and then figuring out what they can actually do to come into school with their yeah. hair.
3: And also like the money. Yeah. Yeah. And also when it. other schools I've seen like they send people home For not how they put in isolation. Yeah, exactly isolation. Do you think it's, what do you? Is it more like valued that of your appearance rather than your actual education? You know, it's just.
1: I think with where like when in general, when like Mm. you're punishing students, Mm. you have to make sure that you're doing it in the same way across the board, Mm. and I think that's where a lot of people find a problem because Mm. it's like um someone will put, get put in isolation for having like braids that are brown yeah then someone who's naturally blonde dyes their hair brown mm-hmm. and it's, it's okay. fine yeah, yeah. like so, i think a lot of teachers have an unconscious bias and i think mm-hmm. that they need to be more comfortable comfortable addressing that
4: mm.
1: and yeah and i think that's where a lot of schools find the issue like,
4: Yeah. Coming from the perspective of a white person, like I don't have the same struggles as someone who's like black with like that Mm -hmm. texture hair. I have straight blonde hair, Um, Mm -hmm. naturally. I'm lucky in the sense of I've never had to face issues with rules around that. Mm -hmm. But coming from the perspective of an autistic person, for me, Mm -hmm. having hair touching parts of my neck was extremely uncomfortable, but we weren't allowed like shaved heads and things like that. and so when that rule was lifted as part of like changing the hair rules for me that just made my whole life a lot more comfortable because it meant I could shave that part of my hair that was causing me issues which meant I could focus in class and I just felt so much more confident in myself Mm. like when I started dyeing my hair different colours like I've come into school at one point. I was coming into school with a different hair color every week. <laughs> like I was coming with purple hair, blue hair, green hair, yeah. pink hair. <laughs> like I've been every color under the sun since yeah. the rules changed. And it made it made it easier to talk to people as well within my classes. So people were asking me, "Oh, like I like your hair. Like, mm-hmm. what color are you going next?" and things mm-hmm. like that. And and so when I shaved my hair off, which happened, I did that in November. Um, when that was allowed i shaved it off completely i had Mm. a buzz cut for a couple for a couple of months Mm. for me that was so liberating as well Mm. i felt very it really made me feel so much more confident in myself because i'd gone through years and years and years of having this long hair um and then i just impulsively shaved it all off Mm. and my mental health was so much better for it Mm. because the confidence that i'd had issues with in the past with my anxiety as well Mm it was just all gone because yeah. I wasn't hiding behind my hair as such anymore. Yeah. I was being my own person and experiencing things and people were talking to me not to a face with hair. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I, mean, I yeah. guess it's more of a comfort as well just knowing that no one's going to really say anything about yeah, it Yeah, they anymore. can't tell me off for having yeah. no hair. <laughs> yeah, you know? true.
0: Just quickly, what would, you, what would you say to any schools that are maybe thinking about changing changing their policy?
4: i personally would say it's the best thing you could do for the relationship between staff and yeah. students yeah. i'd say also uh, yeah. do it with the students yeah um, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. Them. yeah yeah and
1: i think reaching out to the students and hearing their point of view and hearing because ultimately they're the ones that are living in that community mm-hmm. so they know what's best for yeah. that community so i think mm-hmm. reaching out to their students learning from them mm-hmm. like
4: um, and taking what they said into account is also very important. Yeah, yeah like exactly. Asking the students what they want and finding a compromise that works from both perspectives as well. Mm-hmm. And just allowing that communication is very important for staff-student relationships. Mm-hmm. And in general, it will increase the performance yeah. of schools because you feel a lot more comfortable. You feel like mm-hmm. you're being listened to yeah. and valued as a person attending that school.
3: Yeah, it's more like less distraction because you can focus more on the work being Mm -hmm. at hand rather than just about your appearance you know. I feel like like all, not all schools,
2: schools should at least try it for a while because we've like been getting positive feedback from students and it only impacted their mental Mm -hmm. health in a positive way. Yeah. So I feel like at
3: least try it and and see where it goes for other schools. Do you think rather than just not just changing the hair, but do you think there's other policies in the school perhaps we could change in terms of appearance or anything like that? That's a
4: hug. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I personally, see, I personally think in general the rules around appearance are very outdated in yeah. those So, like, things like ear piercings and that mm. aren't allowed. And I can understand yeah. why from a perspective when you're, like, younger, mm. but when you're, like, old enough to be go- going and getting piercings yourself and things mm. like that, um, like, as long as they're not uh, obstructive to what you're doing and you can mm-hmm. take them out as well, like, if they're ones that you have the to take out, at least, like, True. communication is important. I
3: think in some cultures as well, like, with the you nose can can piercings can as can well, the, some <laughs> teachers in the school, they don't really, it's not really allowed but perhaps if we did have a bit more rel- like relax in terms of that aspect.
2: Yeah, because like our friend, um, she had a nose piercing, and since like it's really mm-hmm. uncomfortable to like put tape on your nose, mm-hmm. um, like teachers told her to like um put tape on your nose if you really want it, mm-hmm. and she felt uncomfortable about it, so she she had to remove it. Yeah, so I think in that pretty... aspect,
3: perhaps our school could improve, yeah. just in terms of like just increasing the relationship between the students and the teachers and not having that kind of distraction and more we could focus more about like the work at hand rather than just the appearance but at the same time I think a uniform is good Uh, do you think
4: a uniform and a dress code is important yeah Yeah. but down to the piercing and down to the yeah I think especially when there is cultural reasons or like personal reasons for it to Mm -hmm. not feel alienated if you've chosen or Mm -hmm. if you've like allowed yourself to do certain things and mm-hmm. experience your culture and experience yourself in yeah,
3: that way. True. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think was, the, sorry. yeah,
4: go on. No, I was gonna
1: say like with learning about culture, these issues will automatically arise. So yeah. you don't necessarily have to approach the conversation as uh, what do you guys think about piercings? It could be mm. like getting to know different cultures and then you'll find a lot of students saying the same thing yeah. about certain things and then you could say to yourself as a school what can we do to make you guys feel more comfortable yeah in space? In- mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, include yeah. So. yeah, because
4: at the end of the day some students are going to do it anyway and it's just going to end up <laughs> <laughs> like, especially when it comes from a cultural perspective students are going to do it anyway they're going to like participate in their culture in these yeah. ways mm-hmm. and so when it comes down to it it will benefit everyone to have it either be allowed or to have a compromise yeah rather yeah. than forcing Again, forcing a white English culture on students who don't come from a white English culture. Mm. And I think what you say about students doing it anyway, I think Mm -hmm. that's
1: also because there isn't as much communication from a cultural aspect from teachers and parents. Yeah, So parents will like, tell their children... Perhaps people
3: just need to be educated about the culture. I, I think
1: it's not just a discussion for teachers and students, but teachers, students and parents. Yeah, Yeah. true. Yeah. Parents need to be brought into the conversation. Yeah, true.
3: Because obviously they would probably want their children to be at least, like, not like associated with their own culture Mm -hmm. because they've lived with it their whole lives, you know. So yeah, yeah, it is something that perhaps we should talk about and perhaps improve more on as well.
5: Hello. I'm Desmond Dean. I'm the CEO and executive head teacher of the Odyssey Trust for Education.
1: Okay so in regards to the hair policy in Townley, what, why do you think it was important to change it and what sparked that kind of change?
5: Okay, good, good question and it's probably multiple things that, that caused the change and probably over a period of time. So take two key features of, of Townley grammar, uh, one it's a girls school and the other that it's a very diverse girls school uh, with a significant black African population around 30%. So on the girls' school point of view, in in terms of the work around girls' education and feminism, one of the key issues around control, power, and influence around uh, young women has been hair. So there have been a number of different ways. Voice, how voices control, where where they have a voice, etc. The other has been controlling women's hair, uh, usually by men or patriarchal society. So one of the issues that we, was obvious was actually by having hair rules we were continuing and perpetuating that. It was causing a conflict of somebody, an adult, person in authority telling a young girl about what their hair should or shouldn't be like and making a value judgment around that as well. Add to that then the uh, the discrimination around hairstyles that have a cultural uh, significance for particular ethnic groups. That Clearly, some students were being challenged more than others for their hairstyles. And actually, if you witnessed it, there was nothing particularly wrong with the hair. It was different to others, but most ostensibly, it was different to white students. So clearly, black students were being challenged more often than white students. Therefore, there was clearly some form of discrimination. Look then at behaviour patterns and and, and records of behaviour. Where students were being uh, sanctioned, Frequently, it was around hair. So nothing else related to any kind of thing around behavior. It was just the hair bit, which clearly wasn't a behavior issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you're not behaving. It's just (laughs) your hair. (laughs) Um, So there was that issue. I then actually read uh, a book by Emma Dabbery, uh, Don't Touch My Hair, which Mm -hmm. explains the history of black African hair and the significance of different hairstyles within that. And I was a little bit more equipped from that from the comments that we've been receiving from students around this uh, that actually this was probably a good opportunity to actually make a a stand and and, and do something different and change it and it seemed a really simple thing to do it's it's not putting something new in it's actually taking something out that seemed to be unnecessary time consuming and creating conflict even without that at that point hadn't really considered the longer term mental health aspect of being challenged around your hair, mm. and the uh, self-esteem, self-confidence, which is a key issue, I think, for, for girls anyway, at secondary age. Um, then we've done lots of other work around, so you support lots of students with, with uh, mental health and therapy, etc. but actually, first thing on a Monday morning, mm. after spending five hours having their hair done at home, they come in and they challenge straight away about their hair. That mm. is the biggest impact on mental health and self-esteem than anything else. So remove the problem that you created in the first right. place. Uh, so that was a prompt to actually then just make that change and, and take it out, one, to avoid the discrimination, mm-hmm. um, two, to uh, develop self-esteem, self-confidence uh, with, with young women and to remove that power issue of exercising power over people's bodies, which is mm-hmm. counter to the lessons we've been trying to teach in any other aspect of that. Um, so that, that's why we decided to make that change. And, and look what happened. <laughs>
3: Could you explain how, like, you did liaise with students and the process it took for how to get implement this policy? Yeah. Okay. So
5: I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest there. I don't think I liaised with students anywhere near enough, mm. um, and did what typical head teacher like the other time, just made a decision and, and mm. told everybody to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I'm pretty convinced it was the right thing to do, and also convinced that it needs to be done. Soon, yeah, you know, every day it continued was going to be a problem, so could do six months of consultation with with students to find out the same thing. Mm. Um, but there's a, a weakness in that, and actually, an engagement with students about why we were doing it mm-hmm. yeah. a, and listening to their views about that would have actually helped the implementation of that and, and how it landed and, and been received mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I think that we all have lessons to learn as you look back on something. I think actually, this probably would have had a a more positive impact uh, amongst the school community and a better understanding around it if actually done some engagement around why Mm. we've changed it and their views. It would also help to explain to staff Mm. because I think if um, teachers were aware of the effect it had Would have helped them to implement this as well. So, Mm -hmm. one of the lessons I learned was actually engage with the students, even if you know it's the right idea, Mm -hmm. and even if you're probably going to do it anyway, (laughs) engage because it informs what you do and how you implement it.
3: Yeah, true. So, obviously, you touched upon engagement with students. So, if you could just go back and just think, oh, what could have I changed? What could I have done differently besides the engagement? What else do you think you could have done?
5: Right. Well, I suppose could have had (coughs) wider discussions with the senior leadership team uh, Mm. and staff as well Mm. around the experience. What I recognised was that you have a set of rules that are in the the uniform code, set, but you also have a set of behaviours that people do. So frequently, what it appeared was students were being challenged on things that actually weren't actually in the uniform rules at all. Um, but they would make an independent judgement to to challenge or speak. Mm -hmm. And the recognition that just challenging someone is a sanction on its own. If you're picked out in your class Mm
1: -hmm.
5: and something public is said to you about your hair, that Mm -hmm. in itself is a sanction. You don't have to end up in a detention for that. It doesn't get recorded as such, but you walk away from it as the student feeling, I feel bad now and I didn't feel that way before Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel I've been told off. Uh, and the teacher might not think that that's what they've done, mm. but effectively that's how it lands. So I think having that conversation with the teachers uh, around their behaviours and what they're doing, and what they felt the rules were, yeah. uh, because I've, very few of these were actually written in, in any kind of rule or quote mm-hmm. They were just individual personal judgments being made, sometimes with the best of intentions, mm-hmm. um, but ill-considered and properly ill-conceived around the knowledge of the students. So they would have been that. And I think we could have gathered a lot more, I could have gathered a lot more personal knowledge from students around their experiences Mm -hmm. and from their parents uh, around that. Um, And that would be the bit I would change. And if I was recommending this to somebody else, Mm -hmm. do those Yeah, You have to change it. That isn't something you go and consult and at the end of it, oh no, we're not going to change the hair. No, actually you have to change it if you've got hair rules. Mm -hmm. Uh, That has to be changed. But engage with the parents and the students and the staff first mm. to try and bring as many of those people along with you as you can. Realistically, you're probably not going to bring everybody along because mm. people have fairly set ideas mm. about their behaviours. But once you've imposed it, then it's people have to follow it, and if you can get people convinced, I think the other thing, and I was ha- I was speaking to a another head teacher just the other day, who had d- done something similar, mm. and he had. Um, he'd allowed blue hair, specifically he Was specifically he was thinking about blue hair, he allowed other things, but in order to convince his staff that actually it wasn't going to have a negative effect on educational outcomes, he did a little mini study of the outcomes of the students with blue hair, and the blue hair students outperformed other oh, students. Wow. So clearly, having blue hair not only doesn't uh, prevent you having good educational outcomes, it actually possibly improves mm. them as well. Yeah. And he did it in kind of slightly tongue in cheek, but he was demonstrating that clearly mm. stopping students from talking mm. to them about their hair has no difference to their education in mm. terms of the GCSE grades or their progress A to whatever it might be. And therefore, it's a nonsense to have it in there in the first
3: place.
1: Mm. So and wait, can I, I know you said a lot about um, how it affected students. So, for schools that are thinking about changing the rules, do you think there's anything they could do to kind of help students that have that hesitancy with? in place with their hair policy.
5: Do you mean in terms of the the students not wanting the the policy to change?
1: No, as in like, if you're thinking Mm. about changing it and students know that you are, how they can genuinely trust that those biases that teachers have Mm. aren't gonna come with the new hair policy. Mm.
5: That's a good question. Uh, And there isn't a clear-cut answer Mm. to how that works because you're talking about big organisations, lots of individual people, with their perhaps individual prejudices and, and, and behaviors and habits, um, so it's not perfect and it is a little bit messy. So I think the first thing I would do is set that ex- set expectations. What can we reasonably expect from this? It's mm-hmm. not going to transform everybody's lives immediately. Uh, it's not going to say going to make everything easier to begin with. Uh, there probably is going to be an initial elation around some change and some people will go coloring their hair every week <laughs>
1: um,
5: but then it, it, it will settle around that and then there will still be issues to resolve like piercings um, yeah. so there'll, there'll be another thing as well to do so I think setting the expectations of what reasonably can be achieved mm. in that by just removing something or changing something in a hair um, I think the other, would be that engaging in the conversation around why you're doing it mm. uh, and why it's there in the first place mm. uh, and mm-hmm. what the purpose therefore of education really is uh, and mm. what are we doing everything that you do in schools is education mm. and removing uh, discriminatory hair rules is an educational process in itself mm. and everybody in the school is a learner, staff included and it's mm-hmm. something for them to learn. about the educational priorities that they have and actually how much this affects them Uh, and what they need to maybe learn about hair and its significance uh, in society as a whole whether it be black, African or otherwise Mm -hmm. and particularly for women.
3: Mm. So personally overall do you think within the community do you think we had a more positive response to the policy or more negative? And what do you think why that might have been?
5: I think, it, honestly, in community wise, mm. um, it's going to sound really odd. I don't think there's been actually neither a, a, a positive nor a negative. Mm. There, there's been a kind of a, a zero response community wise. I haven't had letters, Mr. and Mrs. Angry, from <laughs> wherever. <laughs> what have you done with your, with your hair policy? It's the ruin of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Didn't get any actually negative backlash at all. Okay. Um, did get mm. negative responses uh, around discrimination and race mm-hmm. and other issues which weren't to do with hair uh-huh. and that was the issue of not having engaged with students to begin with and setting yeah. those expectations about we're not by changing the hair we're saying that we've solved all of it and that there is no racial discrimination uh-huh. and there's no bias and there's no prejudice there are all of those problems as well yeah. to do and that should have been a conversation early on mm-hmm. uh, so actually it was that expectation of, well, you've changed this, but you, didn't, you haven't changed that, have you? Mm-hmm. So clearly you don't mean it, and this is all only about yeah. that. And I think the mm-hmm. other aspect around it was about use of publicity.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Why do you use it? And I think my understanding over, over time now, looking back at that, is that for, for a certain generation, shall I say, um, that publicity very often has been presented as an end in itself. So you when know, you look at all the YouTube influencers, et cetera, the whole purpose, the whole existence is actually to be on camera or to get publicity. And that seems to be, that's the point. But actually publicity isn't always about that. And if actually when it's used well, is isn't for that. It's actually to get a message across and to influence others. Mm. It's not just for publicity. So ending up on, on in a newspaper or on a radio actually is so that other head teachers and school leaders hear it. And think, well actually if you can do that and it's not causing a negative for you, then actually we can as well. And Mm -hmm. to stimulate a discussion around it Mm -hmm. not actually simply to get the attention for doing it so that that phrase virtue signaling Mm -hmm.
1: uh
5: which was used quite a bit um it's recognizing that yeah that could be the case and actually there probably maybe plenty of people who do that as well but there's also another strategic reason for using publicity Mm -hmm. if you want to get a message across and here we are doing a podcast about Mm -hmm. hair discrimination Mm -hmm. And is, I've done another podcast around hair discrimination. Yeah. And we have World Afro Data, we're doing as well. Mm. All of that is around publicity. If you hadn't done the publicity, I wouldn't have been doing a podcast this week <laughs> earlier <laughs> with two other head teachers yeah. discussing how do you change school mm. hair rules. Because you have to do it to get that. It's not actually just to get my number of followers up on, on <laughs> I, yeah. my influencing. It's me.
3: perhaps more about the message you're trying to send out to other people. And I think that's also personally when the hair policy did change, I think there should have been a lot more communication surrounding it because, personally, I, I don't think there was much of like a concrete like rule, so I wasn't fully aware, yeah. until a lot later when people did start actually using. Honestly, changing. the
4: only time that right. I realised that the hair policy had changed, um, which was like pre like, new things and stuff, um, was I decided, I don't care anymore, I'm just going to dye my hair. <head." laughs> and I dyed yeah. my hair bright purple and just came in and said, you know what, yeah. I, I'm just going to do it because I want to. And when I didn't get any backlash from that, I was kind of like, what's okay, this on? is alright, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. I was a little bit confused, and then I kind of realised, oh wait, rules have changed. Like, mm. and then it started doing it on me, and then I think other people started yeah. realising as yeah. well because people were asking me yeah. like, how aren't you in trouble for your hair it because mean, it's right. like bright purple <laughs> <laughs> yeah. against like bleach blonde? So, like, yeah. I think that was the biggest thing for me, and for like some of the, my peers personally, mm-hmm. was like. Oh, that's changed.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it, I only realised when I saw other people dying there, yeah. and, and, and them not getting
3: it. Maybe the students were a bit, because it wasn't a concrete rule, you know. Mm. It wasn't a change, so perhaps people were a bit worried that, oh, what will the teachers say? Because none of the teachers really spoke about it as much. No mm. said anything. Yeah, <laughs> that was the scariest part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So perhaps a lot more communication. Like, yes, I think say? I think
5: it's yeah more communication and how the communication is yeah. done. It was interesting actually. Making that point because I went to our other school, King Henry School, around mm-hmm. the sort of same, uh, probably within the same week as the main publicity of it. Mm-hmm. Students already knew. they, oh, are, okay. they were already coming mm-hmm. up to me and asking me about have ch- the hair rules changed here as well. So mm-hmm. go, yeah, we yeah. have. And, and then you know, all the multicolored hair came out. As the same <laughs> yeah. time so, yeah. so some information passes really quickly. Mm-hmm. I think it might be a characteristic of this school. Mm-hmm. Um, that you expect an official communication. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: So the
5: things has got to be done the right way. We want an official communication. Yeah. <laughs> we want from letter to explain yeah. this, otherwise we're not taking this seriously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that's why, and I think it was quite interesting watching you all as well, <laughs> nervously arriving in your blue or pink hair, and, and is this OK It's all? <laughs> no, it's me, it must be fine. So suddenly you've been let out.
3: Um, yeah. True.
5: But I think yeah, you can know, obviously trying every hair colour every week. It's one way of just <laughs> testing. Maybe it's just the wrong hair. yeah. I'm going to hit on the hair
3: colour. Everything's going to object to it eventually. Maybe they might say something. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll say something when they're just pink. Yeah. Also, another question as well. Besides the hair, do you think in the future perhaps there's something you might want to change in terms of piercings or about the appearance? How do you feel about that kind of obviously there might be a line between how much you can possibly change because like uniform for example we might there's a lot of benefits to a uniform i think there is but perhaps just in terms of cultural piercings or anything like that i think
5: I, this is really interesting i should just do a little caveat on this that mm. i'm not the head teacher of Tanny grammar mm, uh, anymore right. yeah. Yeah. Um, i should clarify that's got <laughs> nothing to do with changing the hair rules yeah. which is sacked <laughs> um so that wouldn't be entirely my mm. decision alone yeah uh, but, but your
1: opinion, yeah, Yeah,
5: well, <laughs> I, my opinion and we, have had, we are having this conversation uh, because mm-hmm. it has thrown up so many other questions around mm-hmm. uh, uniform and dress codes and behaviour mm-hmm. uh, and why those things are linked in together that actually inevitably is causing them to think of everything else. And actually, I've completely forgotten about the, mm-hmm. the, the nose piercings, et cetera, aspect of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, there are going to need to be other changes. Uh, And there has to be a a, a rethink around this. Uh, It's interesting that uh, I was being shared with me earlier this week a uh, uniform code, dress code, behaviour code from another school uh, where it was very, very precise about the type of hair you could have, including mentioning. Cornrows and the width of those cornrows in schools, and what has flagged to me is so often: behavior policies in schools have really been about lists of rules mm-hmm. and sanctions. They've not really been about behavior or relationships or what's behaving or what isn't. Mm-hmm. And it raises that question of actually whether anything you wear has got anything to do with behavior at all. Mm-hmm. It becomes behavior if you there's a rule around something you break it and then you're defiant the about it, and, and that's mm-hmm. then the behavior. But the, what you're actually wearing isn't behavior in itself. Mm. So it does question, well, what does get come under behavior and uniform? Yeah. And, and does anything which is physical, like say mm. a, a piercing or your hair, should that be anything to do with your uniform at all? Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, whereas what you wear um, obviously clearly is, and how you wear it. But it also brings a question, which is a traditional one for girls' schools, is skirt lengths. Yeah. Um, and the amount of time <laughs> wasted lives mm-hmm. around conversations yeah. around skirt lengths. And actually, should that be in there? How do you get around that?
1: Mm.
5: Can you do that without actually all of these negative conversations? Yeah. Mm. Um, and particularly in, in you know, most recent events, that the, the potential of sexualization of, of mm. young girls by actually commenting about what's a suitable skirt length and what isn't, and why is it a suitable skirt length? Yeah. And why is it, who's, who's making that judgment around mm. that, and who's it important to? So yeah, there's a lot of conversations mm. still to be had around this and I dare say probably some of those will mean that there'll be different impacts for you still yeah. around changes.
0: Right.
5: Uh, but I'm not going to say what they are. i yeah. <laughs> <Not really. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> you know my lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, there is a head teacher, I can't remember his name now, but he's, he's made a change where he's um, introduced trousers and shorts, there's no skirts. Oh no. Yeah whole school, it's a, it's a co-ed school, it's mm-hmm. trousers and shorts, which then applies universally to everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's gender neutral in that respect. Mm-hmm. So you have to deal with skirt lengths then. Yeah.
4: Out of curiosity what stops skirts from being gender neutral? Mm-hmm.
5: There's like no reason, because it's only a very for. It's, only yeah, it's
4: just very yeah. interesting to me personally, like because um, the idea of a skirt, a piece of cloth belonging to a certain gender is very strange to me personally. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But the idea of the mindset that something that you put on and take off changes your behavior, right. like that's a very different mindset that I think a lot of people hold is does the clothes that I'm currently wearing affect my mindset? At the end of the day, it's a piece of cloth that I'm taking on and I'm putting on at six o'clock in the morning and taking off at six o'clock in the evening. Does it affect my behavior?
5: I think. He- in addition to that, not only does it affect your mindset, is it affecting somebody else's mindset? And mm-hmm. should it? So yeah. do people make value judgments on you based on what you're wearing? Now, look at most of the you know, time spent on, on, on social media, etc. where actually an awful lot is devoted to what people are wearing mm-hmm. and how that affects uh, people's attitudes towards them. Uh, mm-hmm. And some, and that's manipulated to, to a large extent yeah. uh, for that particular purpose. You know, there's, there's a whole Instagram how you just set up which is about what some individual person is wearing today mm-hmm. and what they're wearing tomorrow and, and, and how important otherwise mm-hmm. that is. So it, it, it is important in terms of whether what you wear has any other significance beyond clothing that you choose mm-hmm. and your own self-expression and whether it has anything to do with gender or identity mm-hmm. and, and, and any business of anybody else mm-hmm. other than yourself. Um, But these are really big questions, which is entirely Mm. the kind of questions (laughs) I expect you to be having. Um, And that means they're not really simple answers.
3: Mm.
5: But what we have done, I think, is is probably shattered the illusion that somehow education and standards in schools are linked to clothing and appearance Mm. in any way. Mm. Uh, And that's a big hurdle for an awful lot of school leaders to get over and and Mm. they're going to take it really difficult to get over because they've actually had years of Being trained and inducted into thinking that this actually they're one and the same thing. How you appear is is a testament to the school standards, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than it's simply a personal choice. Mm.
3: That's why I think there's a lot of benefits to having a uniform because obviously it does represent the school. But there is a question of how far should we go that perhaps it does stand in the way of education Mm -hmm. and our right to having. education especially when sorry sorry sorry. yeah but especially when some people like they get might in other schools they might get sent home because of their hair choice or what they wear Mm. and in that instance they don't even get like to go into that lesson and be taught something new it's a question of how far should we go for that
4: yeah i think with uniform rules especially like it can be very controlling over a young person because like Outside of a uniform, you're wearing a uniform once, like five de- five days a week, every week, pretty much. Like mm-hmm. miss a few weeks here and there, and obviously the summer. Um, and so one, it comes into there's a lot of conversations around it about like difference between different like um, backgrounds, like and people who might be closer to poverty than other people, and like different mm-hmm. classes and mm-hmm. things like that, and how heavily and like where, what place of privilege it might come from, like enforcing certain it must be this. So, because personally, in my personal opinion, I know not everyone agrees with me, the way that the sit form works with a dress code rather than a uniform and like works better and is a lot more inclusive than the way that a Mm -hmm. uniform works because Mm -hmm. uniforms are very expensive because you've got to have the specific things and it can cost hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Whereas if you're playing to a dress code, not a uniform, you can. There's a lot of flexibility with. I can afford this cheaper skirt, or I can get this cheaper blazer. Or hey, I might splurge and get this very expensive blazer, and it allows more of an experience of a real life experience because in workplaces you don't have uniforms for the most part; you have dress codes, mm-hmm. and it allows that preparation for those experiences that you're going to have. You're
5: right. Uh, there's a lot of sense in that. Um, I think what we what we know particularly about young people is that. Even within a dress code, there's lots of, of room mm. to have a one-upmanship about what you're wearing and yeah, the latest definitely. fashion. And, and, and just just mm. trainers, shoes alone, mm. you can write volumes on what's the right way to be wearing when. Yeah. So there can still be a price I- issue in that, and there can still be a privilege uh, expression within that as well. Yeah. So it, it is complicated. But and in some respects, uniforms at their best remove that competitiveness yeah. from mm. it. Give a sense of collective identity um, and uh, allow people to be participating in something together. Um, And and to to some extent, people are always wearing uniforms of some sort or another Mm -hmm.
1: and Mm -hmm. they might
5: be self-selected chosen ones, so it's consensual I'm wearing a suit Mm -hmm. uh, because that's the uniform for for school leaders generally and that's what's Mm -hmm. expected to be wearing. If i rocked up here in shorts and trainers Mm -hmm. and (laughs) white shirt, you'd you'd, you'd be a bit perturbed. Uh, so th- there's always that uh, aspect within it, but I think one of the important themes in, in this that we've realised just recently is around um, power and consent, mm-hmm. and this is how we're, we're trying to frame some of our conversations going forward with you. So, uniform, dress code, your hair, piercings are exercising power, and it's what power schools and school leaders should have over you,
3: mm-hmm. and
5: what power you consent to mm-hmm. being given over. So. Joining a school and wearing a school uniform should be consensual. You should, I consent to that. That's something I can agree with. That's a power uh, I accept. What power should you hold individually yourselves um, that, to make decisions of your own? Um, and what power should be exerted by others? And I think sometimes when uniform rules are enforced fairly strictly, and there are examples of schools and trusts which have made their whole being around the enforcement of rules. Actually, what that is, is an enforcement of power, and, it, and it's telling those young people that we are the people in power and you have to do what we say, and what we know is from most recent events and changes, actually that's the thing that has to be raised up to question. Who are the people in power? Who should be in power, uh, and particularly in a de- democracy, and how should that power be exercised? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a really good example of that and a good way in, if you're in education, that's where you should be learning this.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, saw, yeah. <laughs> I before I, I forget again. Because I know you were saying before about how you use publicity and then now you're talking about power and where mm-hmm. the power lies. So I was just gonna ask what is your opinion on like students using publicity to kind of shed light on their school's existing negative rules and if that was done in our school before you'd made changes, how would that have affected the way that you made the
0: changes that you did?
5: Okay, so I mean the second part of that is really hard to say because that's trying to get yourself in the mind you were at then when actually you're not in that mind now because things have already affected and changed. But I'll think about it as I answer it. I think one of the things, it's easy to go away from recent events around uh, Black Lives Matter and ev- uh, everyone's invited etc to, to come away from that thinking that actually protest is change and publicity is change. It's not nothing actually. I mean, we had publicity around the the hair discrimination, and yet in the last year there's been a 67% increase in hair discrimination in schools. So it clearly hasn't changed things. It's begun a process of conversations and dialogues, but in itself it doesn't change it. Similarly, going on on a protest march um, will draw attention to something, but in itself it's not going to change it. It's going to be people behind that who are very often having to build alliances with the people they disagree with in order to effect real changes to that. That's the more complex, harder and less public side of changes. And it's recognising that actually that's the bit that's really important. Yes, you sometimes need to draw attention to something um, in order to get that conversation to get that dialogue done. That, and that's where publicity is useful. And that's assuming that you can't have that dialogue without it. And I think from a school context, what what we would always be interested in is actually, well, is is that publicity because we've tried to have that conversation and and people are refusing to listen? Or Mm -hmm. is it because actually that's what everybody's doing, therefore let's do that? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if you have tried to have a conversation through the routes that are available to you to to do that and you're getting hit with a brick wall or, or resistance to that, then yeah, sometimes you have to go get some kind of publicity to draw attention to it whether that is the press or social media or whatever is another matter which one's going to be useful sometimes publicity can actually get in the way of having that conversation Mm -hmm. because you're dealing with the aftermath of that publicity rather than the Mm -hmm. conversation you wanted to have which was about something which probably could be very easily solved Mm -hmm. Um, and in this instance with the hair discrimination actually it was instigated from from leadership, rather than necessarily from students. Mm. Students clearly felt there, but hadn't expressed it. Mm. Uh, And actually one of the questions we had around that was actually, is there something in the makeup and the structure of the school that hadn't allowed students to do that, to give Mm. them an avenue or or a voice in order to do that in the first place, and that's something that still has to be in place for any future discussions, such as Mm. this, Mm. whereby we can hear what you have to say about things and therefore respond to that. So yeah, it's it's a interesting publicity is a double-edged sword. Uh, It can work for you, or it can equally work against Mm -hmm. you, and you have to use it carefully. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think that's an important lesson. I think also to learn for people who want to be change makers in Mm -hmm. in the future that actually when is publicity going to be your servant, and when is actually going to be your master.
0: Mm -hmm. That's true. Wow. Thank you so much to Muna, Yamaga, Nondini and Hannah and of course Mr Dean for being interviewed by them. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. And thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key, giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School Leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com. And please tell us what you think of the podcast or indeed invite me to your school. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.